pleasure and a privilege for, for Jan and I to be with you today. I just want to make you aware of the kind of two variables going on here. I'm not sure. I don't have a real strong voice, so we'll see how this works. I may have to go to the, uh, uh, to the handheld if we have to. And the secondly is you may hear me clearing my throat and coughing a little bit. I don't have any other symptoms. <clears throat> my physician has me on some detoxification regime for the past couple months. And Jan said, well, I don't know about detoxification, but I think you're toxic. But uh, <coughs> so I'm clearing stuff out. It's supposed to be good in the long run. We'll see what happens. We've been in a series in our church on uh, emphasizing the word of God and how important God's word is for us. And I really felt, I think I shared with Matt, I really felt a few weeks ago that I really, as I was preparing this message, I really felt it was for here. I really felt it was for you guys. So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully it'll minister to you. Uh, God's word always does. Uh, I don't have any doubts in God's word. Uh, I do question my ability to communicate it, so I'm going to be praying and asking for God's help. But the topic is the, the word of God will test you. And we're going to be looking at some of the benefits of the word of God, but it'll definitely test us. And it's in a good way. And a lot of you in here, you know, people have been through high school, college, maybe grad school. We're all used to taking tests. And usually when you take a test in school, it's the professor, the teacher wants to know, what do you know? Do you know the material? Because they don't know. But when God tests us, it's different because he knows everything. He knows right where we're at. He, he, knows, he knows what I know. The test is more for me and for you. It helps you and I to find out where are we at, right? Helps us to find out what's in our heart. And uh, we, we definitely want to take these tests here and now because there's going to come a day where we're going to be with the Lord, and uh, there's no opportunity to build faith or to do great things for God. So now is the time we want to develop our faith, and, and, and a, a big way to do that is through God's Word. So I'll tell you what, before, before I get into the Word, before we get into our first section of Scripture, I'd like to pause to pray. Uh, I don't think we can pray too much, and uh, <clears throat> it just always reminds me that I am really depending on God today, and that He's the only one that can touch your heart. I cannot. But uh, Holy Spirit can do that. So would you just pause with me as we pray and invite his presence? Lord, thank you for this glorious day. What a privilege that we get to gather in your name and to be your people. And Lord, I know there's all kinds of people here today with different needs and, and questions. And we're all on different uh, parts of our journey. <clears throat> some, of, some here are just wanting to know, is there really a God? Are you really real? Do you uh, really speak to hearts? And are you alive today. There's others that <clears throat> have started that journey, and they're, they're kind of asking, what's the next step? Where do I go from here? And uh, Lord, some of us today are hurting, and we need a ministry today. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. You are the comforter. You're the one that guides us into all truth. <clears throat> so Lord, I just invite you to come and minister your word to our hearts today, that uh, Jesus would be exalted, and that we would honor you with our lives. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to look at a text of Scripture. It's kind of an iconic text uh, for me, at least personally, as we look at the Word of God and what the Word of God does in our lives. And there's many different effects that God's Word has. But Psalm 103, verses 2 and 2 through 4, to me, has just been kind of a favorite go-to section of Scripture when I've you know, ministered to people. And uh, it's, it's, it's David, <clears throat> it's one of David's psalms, and he starts off, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I'd like to look at today three specific benefits of God's word and how he uses those to test us. But do you notice how the, the psalmist here is kind of talking to himself? You know, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I think that's a kind of a, 
a picture how that you and I, we are spiritual beings. At our core, we're spiritual beings. Because we know that God, God's word says that God is spirit, right? And we're made in his image. <clears throat> and that's why when we worship God, it's such, a, um, it's such a powerful experience because that's a spiritual experience. So I believe David, his spirit, his real person is speaking to his, his soul. And our souls are kind of our mind, our will, our emotions. It's kind of who we are. It's how we, how we present ourselves to other people. It's our, our temperament, our personalities. A lot of factors that go into that. Depends on what type of home you're brought up in, you know, your birth order, uh, whether you're a right brain or left brain person. You know, we are very complex as people, but uh, that's all in our soulish realm. But uh, it's, it's our spirit, man. Our spirit's where we receive revelation from God. If you get something today from God that changes you, that's by your spirit. It's not just a mental thing. It's not just a mind thing. It's not just a thought. A lot of people believe in God. Right? A lot of people believe that, yeah, I believe there's a God. I, I even believe that Jesus lived one day. But, you know, the Bible says even the devil believes, right? So that's no real, it's, it's, it's a heart issue. It's revelation. You know, Jesus, we, we, God is spirit. We worship in spirit. When you and I worship God, it's, it's by our spirit man, okay? When we receive a revelation from God, it's about our spirit. And all of us know that experience that experience where we're trying to figure something out and one day all of a sudden we go what the light went on right we just kind of figured it out but that, i think that's a spiritual issue because i think wisdom is of the heart it's of the spirit so the the if you ever catch yourself you know talking to yourself just say i'm just like king david man he just told himself you know he's here he is talking to himself so bless the lord all my soul forgetting on all his benefits right who forgives all your iniquities and that word iniquity there is a Hebrew word, awan. There's kind of four major Hebrew words in the Old Testament that are translated as, as, uh, <coughs> as sin. And uh, just to let you know, this is, <coughs> this is the worst one. This is the deepest kind of sin. This is an open rebellion towards God. We're not just where, oh, I was in the heat of the moment and we've all said things we regret. This is where you know you're rejecting God. You know you're rebelling. You know this is wrong, but it just feels good and you're going to do it, right? So what he's saying is, even at our worst sin, God's forgiveness is more powerful. Nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. So even at our worst sin, God forgives. There's nothing you can have in your life today. And sometimes people get this in their mind, well, no, I could never really serve God because I did this or whatever. Well, that's just not true. There's nothing, more, there's nothing I can do that's more powerful than God's love and his ability to forgive if I will admit to God that I need his forgiveness. So, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. There's nothing God can't heal or touch today. And, or, or who redeems your life <coughs> from destruction. And you see that threefold benefit in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. God's forgiveness, God's healing, God's deliverance. An example in the New Testament, you know, that word salvation, it's the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It has those same three meanings, forgiveness of sin, healing for our bodies and deliverance when uh, the time when jesus was walking on the water remember and peter called out to him right and he, he said hey if it's you lord call me so jesus said it's me come on so jesus uh, peter comes out but then he gets a little nervous he looks at the wind and the waves and he starts to sink well if you notice he calls out to the lord he says save me well he wasn't saying jesus forgive me for my sins come on my heart be my personal savior before i die right he was saying i'm gonna drown you know i'm in, i'm about, about to be destroyed here would you physically save me so that same concept whatever your need is god can meet that need there's nothing there's nothing that god can't meet so forgiveness of sins 
forgiveness of all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, he redeems your life from destruction. So I'm going to look at today kind of three major benefits, uh, a lot of benefits from God's word. I'm going to look at major ones today and look what the word does in our lives. And the first one is from 1 Peter 1. And uh, if you have your, uh, did they get the handouts? I can't remember. Anyways, there's a, there's a, should be your first fill in the blank is that it enables salvation. It enables salvation. Uh, the word of God enables us to come into right relationship with God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. So everyone in here today, if you truly know the Lord, at one point in time, God's word came to you and your eyes were opened up that you needed a savior, and it's the word of, so somehow, you know, whether you heard it from a testimony, somebody shared with you, or you're watching a program, somehow the word of God was ministered to you, and that your heart was opened up to the things of God. So God's word <coughs> brings salvation, which is the, the critical, right, the critical thing we need. We all need a savior. We all need to put our trust in Jesus. Number two is that it causes growth. God's word, as you and I open ourselves up to the word of God, it causes us to grow spiritually. And I love this word, this little this picture that we get in 1 Peter 2, 2. Uh, Peter writes it this way, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And it's just a wonderful thing. We've all seen a young baby, you know, a little baby. Most of us in here are parents, you know, just how they desire to be fed, right? They desire that milk. And that word, uh, that word desire there means Actually, in the Greek, it means to intensely crave something. And we need to have that same desire for the word of God because it will cause growth. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. So God's word will stimulate my faith. It will stimulate my growth. And, uh, but this, you know, there have been times in my life I've had to be quite honest before God and say, Lord, I have to be honest. I don't really have a hunger to read your word. I don't really have a hunger to study. I'm just kind of apathetic. God, forgive me for whatever I just did. <laughs> this is good. Just make sure. Can everybody hear him okay? I don't want to keep going if you're not able to hear. You're in the back rows. You guys are good? Okay. I just want. This is so good. I want to make sure you can hear it. So yeah. we'll keep going. All, All right. right. All Check. right. I knew it was either God or Pastor Matt, so I knew when so the devil. Okay. I feel better. You know, I feel better my son. I, okay. <clears throat> Anyways. So the word of God will cause growth. But there's sometimes we just have to say, Lord, give me that desire. Because that's not always natural, right? And it's okay, you know? There's times when I've come to wor into a worship service, and I just don't, I don't feel like worshiping, you know? And whether it's the circumstances of life, I'm just being lazy. And there's been times I say, Lord, give me that desire to worship you, right? Because sometimes we think, we see other people, we hear other people, and we think, man, how can, I can never be as holy as they are or as godly as they are. Well, no, that's just not true. We're all, we're all flesh, we're all human, right? We all have our failings. Some, people, some of us are just good, better at hiding it than others, right? But uh, so we need that. It's okay to say, hey, God, give me that desire to worship you. Or give me that desire for the things of God. Because I just don't have it, right? Because it's all about him. It's not about me and my great faith. But God's word will cause growth. And some of you are probably in a place where you're, you're just kind of maybe either coasting or you're really not progressing. And you need to have that, that newfound desire to, to read and to study and to meditate and to memorize God's word. And I believe he's going to, he'll answer that prayer today if you have that desire in your heart. So whether you really need to know if God's real today, if you need to you know, really be born again, or if you, if you need to, to, to grow, um, he's here to answer those prayers. And thirdly, what I really want to focus on today 
is that I believe that God's word will prepare us for adversity. And that's another fill in the blank there. Follow on the, in the, the outline. It'll prepare us for adversity. And there is adversity in life. It's a part of life. Whether you're, you know, whether you're serving God or not, there's just there's problems in life. And I love this example in Luke chapter 6 where, where Jesus contrasts two different types of people, okay? And he says here in verse 7, <clears throat> whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, again, we have to be a doer of the word, not enough just to hear, but I've got, I've got to do what the word says, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Obviously, Jesus is the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. And we all know that most of us are aware of the story where there was another man that built on the sand, right? Or another translation says built on the ground. There was no foundation. And when that flood came, when that stream came, it was destroyed. It was wiped out. That house had no foundation. But notice the storms of life came to both. The storms of life came to both, right? But will I be prepared? Will you and I be prepared for those storms, for that adversity that comes? And it's the word of God to do that. The word of God will prepare us for that adversity. And there's just no, no way around it. God, God will test us in life. If, if I want God, if I want the things of God, he will test me. I love this comment in Job. Nobody's tested more intensely uh, the book of Job probably takes somewhere between 9 and 12 months, so it was a pretty intense time. Uh, there were obviously people that were, you know, Moses had 40 years in the, in the desert, and Joseph 13 years in prison and as a, as a slave, but nobody was more intensely tested than Job. And I kind of jokingly say this, and I probably shouldn't say it too much, but, you know, there have been times where I've said to God, hey, uh, don't ever brag on me, <laughs> you know, like Job. I uh, that's okay, just you know, pretend, don't, I don't, don't want you bragging on me, because he was bragging on Job, and then the, the big test came, right? The big, I mean, the horrible test. Look what Job, here, he's in the middle of this test, right? He's in the middle of this tremendous challenge. As <coughs> in Job 7, 17, he goes, what is man? And that's the Hebrew word enosh, it just means man and his weakness and his mortality. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him? that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment. So Job's kind of saying, God, why do you even bother? Why don't you just let me kind of live my own little life? And some of us can probably relate to this. Why don't you just let me live out my life, just kind of leave me alone, and I'll just do my thing for 70 or 80 or 90 years or whatever, and then I'm going to stand before God and give an account for my life, and all I did was live a kind of a comfortable little life for myself. Do I, do I want that? Right? But that's the feeling. You know, Job, he's under that intense pressure. He's just saying, God, why do you even bother me? Why do you, why do you even go to the bother of taking me through this? So <clears throat> the disciples, the close, those closest to him, to Jesus, they were tested. Right? In John chapter 6, here's you know, he's got the 12 around him. And I really encourage you, I just want to put a plug in. If you're not watching The Chosen, it's just such a great to me, it's a great series that shows the humanity of Jesus, in addition to, obviously, he was God in the flesh, but just how he related to people, just, I just find it refreshing. But in John chapter 6, look what Jesus, has this conversation with Philip. He goes, 
Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he's seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, hey, where, where are we going to buy bread that these may eat, right? But this he said to test them, to test them. He's going to see, Philip, how are you going to handle this, right? He said this to test them, for he himself knew what he was going to do. So it was all a test, right? And those closest to him, we get tested. It's just all a part of the relationship. And really, uh, at, at the bottom line is it's, it's a hard issue. In Proverbs chapter 17 Verse 3, it says, The refining pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And that's a wonderful illustration for me, as many of you know, my background, I used to be a dentist, and when we were in school, we had to learn how to, we had to learn how to make caps and crowns, you know, with gold. Uh, not so much that dentists don't do that, but you need to know if there's a problem where the, where the breakdown is and how things should be done, and so we just needed to understand how to do that. But it was interesting, when we would do that, um, we would have to melt the gold, put them in the centrifuge, melt the gold with a torch, and it had to be about 2,000 degrees, and when you melt that gold, the little, these little squares that you would get, uh, it would become molten, so, you know, it's, it's liquid, you know, it's kind of moving around, but what's interesting is before you could cast it into the mold to make the crown, uh, or I made some jewelry for my wife one time when I was on a break, but uh, before you could do that, all of a sudden you look, there was like a little film that developed, you know, that, that gold, it's real shiny, it's, it's liquid, it's kind of moving around, but there's a film over the top. Those are the impurities in the metal that come out when you heat it up. And we had to take a lead instrument, and we would very carefully skim off that layer, get those impurities out, and then cast the gold to make the crown and make the, uh, I made a ring for my wife one time many years ago. So, but the purpose of that is you want to remove those impurities, because if you allow those impurities to stay in the gold, kind of one of two bad things are going to potentially happen. Either the, the surface, because of those impurities, will cause a weakness in the metal, and then the surface can pit, right? And that's kind of unsightly, especially if it's, uh, you probably wouldn't notice it so much in your mouth, but if it's on you know, your finger or a pendant or whatever, you would notice that. Or if it's concentrated in the area under the stress put on that ring or metal or the metal in your mouth, it could fracture, because those impurities will cause a weakness in the metal. So the same thing in our lives. When God tests us, it brings those impurities out so we can see what they are because they can be dealt with or else they're going to cause a problem later in life, right? So the test is actually good. The heat of the moment isn't very pleasant, but it brings to surface things that need to be dealt with. And all of us know those feelings. It's like, wow, I can't believe I, can't believe I said that, right? Or I can't believe I, I did that right? Because sometimes under the pressures of life, things come to the surface, and it's not because God's mad at us, but he wants us to, to see those things to deal with them. So tests are important, and tests reveal the heart. Sorry, God looks on the heart. Let's look very briefly at the life of somebody who was tested pretty severely. Joseph was, I mentioned Job before, and of course Moses, but Joseph, I like this example because the Bible specifically tells us that he was tested in Psalm 105. This is about a thousand years later. The psalmist writes about Joseph. And he said in verse uh, um, 16, it says, he, now that he in the context, you don't see the whole, but that's talking about God. Okay, so he, God, called for famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its, all its food supply. Isn't that amazing? God called for the famine. Now, there's a lot of bad things that happen in life. There's, you know, there's earthquakes and tornadoes and famines. 
And a lot of that's because we live in a fallen world. This is not the way God originally created the world. He created the world perfect, right? And when you sin, when they sin, it not only affected human, it, humankind, it affected the whole universe. I don't believe God created a universe where asteroids and stuff are banging into planets and they're kind of colliding and all that kind of, I, I believe it's perfect harmony until man sinned. You can look at the earth, it's off tilt, right? It wobbles. If you read astronomy, it wobbles now because it's because sin disrupted everything. But there are times when actually God is behind a problem. And God called for this famine for man's good. Just for instance, the flood. Think about Noah, right? That's pretty drastic, right? God caused that to happen. Because he said, if I don't do something, humankind, well, you guys will wipe each other, you'll wipe the whole human race out. And in his mercy, he brought that judgment that Noah and his wife would be saved. And we're all here today because of them, right? That one family generated all of us. If God hadn't done that, we, we wouldn't be here. So God's judgment is always in his mercy. It's always for our good. We don't always like it. I, I, I wish he could find another way sometimes, but it's always for our good. So he, God, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters, and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Wow, powerful. <clears throat> he had an incredible calling, right? Incredible purpose for Joseph. There are people in this room that God has an incredible calling and purpose for you at some point in your life, and he is testing you now to prepare you for some day when you'll be released to do that. Right? Understand that? You know, you need to know there's a purpose behind the test and the difficulties and the challenges you're facing. Joseph faced some tremendous. Now, look at this. You know, we all we all want to be you know godly people. I think in our heart we want to look what look what Second Timothy says about a godly people. I love this. Second Timothy chapter three verse twelve. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Couldn't he left off those last three words, right? Can we just, all who desire will live, will live happily ever after. But it doesn't happen that way, right? Because we are in the midst of a cosmic, there's a war. There's a war going on for the lives of people. I mean, we look at Ukraine, and that's horrible what's going on over there. I feel so bad for those people over there. But we are all in a war. There's a war in the lives for people for all eternity, and we are involved in it, okay? And so if I try to go with God, I'm going to go against the flow of my culture, and I'm going to feel resistance, and there's going to be problems. Uh, there will be persecution. But, you know, something about Joseph. Joseph, he, you know, when you look at his life, some, you know, in, in this room, there's people have gone through, you've gone through some bad things. There's some, there, if everybody's story would be made known, some of you have gone through some terrible situations in life. Look at Joseph. He was betrayed by his own brothers, right? Ten of his 11 brothers sold him into slavery. They betrayed him. And then that wasn't bad enough. He gets into, you know, he gets into, he's a slave. And then he gets falsely accused, right? His master, Potiphar, the wife falsely accused him. And then he goes from being a slave. You think, you think that's bad. Now he's going to prison, right? So, so he goes from being betrayed by his family. He's betrayed by his, his master's uh, spouse. And then he goes to go to jail. And, you know, if you read about jails in, in foreign countries, our jails are like hotels, compared to what the living conditions are in those. How about throw on top, you're a foreigner, right? You're a minority, 
in a, I mean, it, it was a terrible situation. And then he's in there, and God still blesses him. He gets favor with the jailer, and he's got a you know, pretty good position. And then he helps out a couple guys, a butler and a baker, with their dreams, right? Well, the one didn't go so good for the baker. He, you know, the dream came true, and Joseph interpreted it, but it wasn't a good end for that guy. But the other guy got out, and Joseph said, hey, when you get out, don't, you know, don't, don't forget about me, right? Hey, I'm the one that told you, you know, this was going to happen. And so the guy gets out, and he gets restored back to his position, and he forgets. He forgets Joseph. Here's two years. Two years later, right, the, the, the king had a dream, and the guy all of a sudden goes, oh, I forgot all about, I forgot all about Joseph. Here, this guy, he told me in my dream, but it was two years he had to wait, right? But somehow, I don't know how it is, but somehow Joseph knew that our disappointments in life are God's appointments. Somehow he knew that. Somehow he knew that our disappointments are God's appointments. Somehow Joseph knew that God comforts the afflicted, but he afflicts the comfortable, right? And part of the goal of my life is I like to be comfortable, right? I want things nice and smooth and everything going okay and everybody doing the right thing. And, but that's just not reality, right? And even when things are going that way, all of a sudden I can be, ah, I didn't mean to do that. He goes, he prods me. And it's like, what? You know, because God, comfort, God comforts the afflicted, but he afflicts the comfortable. And Joseph also knew, somehow he knew this, that what man means for evil, God can turn for good. Somehow he knew that. So what can we know? What can we take from his life, from his examples? Well, the providence of God is real in your life and my real in my life. It is real. God is sovereign. He is if if I'm committing my life to him, he's in control. In Genesis 45, 5, here's how here's how Joseph phrased it. But now, <clears throat> do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And that's what we could take great heart is that God is in control of my life. He is going to work out his plan. God can take what's evil and turn to good. Romans 8.28, a very, a very well-known verse says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called purpose. Not all things are good, but if I give it to God, all things can work together for good. Uh, to those who live according to God's purposes. And then thirdly, God is trustworthy. In Proverbs 3, 5, and I, another one of those iconic verses is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. We have to put our trust in the Lord. Joseph didn't have Romans 8, 28, but somehow he knew it, right? Somehow he knew God was going to work it out for his good. Uh, Joseph never complained about his circumstances. Do I? Do you? Yeah, we do, don't we? But we don't have anywhere where Joseph complained. And Joseph didn't have the Bible or the indwelling Holy Spirit, but you and I do, right? We have available God's word to us. We have available to us God's, God's presence, his Holy Spirit. So let's look at how we, uh, as we wind down, how do we pass the test? You know, Joseph had a severe test, sold by his family to another culture of people to another country, on another continent. Can you believe? You know, it wasn't just he went across state lines. He went to another country, a different culture. It was on a different continent. It was on, on the African continent. He went out from, from Asia to Africa. 
So it was for 13 years, right? For 13 years, from the time he was 17 to the time he was 30, um, he, had to, he had to go through that process, right? He was disappointed, I'm sure, but he didn't complain and he didn't doubt. There's nowhere, Scripture tells us he complained or doubted. So what do we get out from passing the test? Well, well number one, we learn obedience. Fill in the blank there. Learn obedience in Hebrews 5.8. Talking about Jesus, says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Am I becoming more obedient as I, as I go through a difficult situation? Am I learning obedience? Number two is it produces maturity. Maturity is a product if, if I'm going to pass the test. Now, God's pretty good about, you know, he gives me a test and I fail it. Just like I, I failed that. And God says, no problem. I'll, I'll give it to you again, right? No problem, Rick. So now I take it and I'm like, ah, I, I messed up again. God says, no problem, Rick. We're going to give you the test again. It's like, ah, I got to get this right because I don't want to keep taking these tests, right? I don't, I don't want these remedial courses all the time. Um, so I got to get into God's word, right? James 1, 2 and 4. Uh, these are verses we don't like, but it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, <clears throat> that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The testing of your faith produces patience. So we will mature as we allow God to test us and try us. And then thirdly, and this is great, is that God's test, if we pass, will bring a great reward, right? Will bring a great reward. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, it says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Can you imagine? If I pass God's test, I will be rewarded right in front of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They'll stand before him. And I always tell people, you know, I, I, I have this excitement that someday I'm going to really be face-to-face -face with my Lord and Savior. Someday I'm going to stand right in front of him, you know? But then I've got this little trepidation, too. I have to be honest. It's like, did it? Did I, did I do okay, Jesus? You know, did, I, did I really do what I was supposed to do? You know, so I'm excited, but I'm a little, huh? Am I, am I really, you know, am I really going to be able to get, I want, that, I want to hear him say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Boy, I, I want to hear God say that. I want him to say, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so uh, I say, Lord, hey, Lord, how am I doing? Would you, I, I, I want to hear that. I know this is the only time, right? This is the only time we get to, to, to build up our faith and get to build up treasures in heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place and we'll be there forever. Because it's just hard to believe that we're all going to be there together, right? It's just hard to imagine. Now, I need to be doing what God's called me to do. I need to be obedient, right? Uh, I, need, I need to be growing and maturing. And then someday I will get those rewards. So as I close today, I'm going to invite the, the worship team or the wonderful keyboard player to come up and join me. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to those areas. And I know that 
in, in a meeting with this many people, there's all kind of variety of people on various journeys with God. And I believe there's people here today, God's been dealing with you about the reality of his love for you and that you can really know God personally and have a relationship with him. But it only comes through repentance. We have to acknowledge that we have a problem. It's called sin, and it plagues every one of us. Every one of us have come to this point in life where we have to acknowledge that I need God's forgiveness. And I need to put my trust in him. And I believe there's people here today that, that uh, you, you maybe believe in God, or you've been searching for God, but you've never really put your trust in him. You've never really committed your life. I think some of you feel there's a tension. As, even as I'm talking, there's a little bit of a tension inside. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you today. He's giving you an invitation to come and to come to know him personally. And uh, so I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute as I close in prayer that you'd be able to pray that prayer, right? And you don't have to really even come forward. There's, there's nothing in the New Testament about an altar call. It's simply putting your faith in Jesus, acknowledging that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you put your trust in him. Others of us here today, I believe that there's, you're, you're, you're kind of kind of stagnant. You're kind of maybe just coasting in life. You're a little too comfortable. And God's really challenging you to put him first place and to begin to really devote your time to God and your relationship with him and getting to know him through his word, right? And I always tell people there's two tests. People want to know where their faith is at. I say, well, you can, there's a two-question two test you can ask your, yourself to find out where your faith is at. Is this how much of your time every day, because we're all limited, we all want, only have 24 hours a day, right? How much of your time every day do you give to God, right? I mean, some of us have been stuck on a 10-minute, you know, prayer time devotion in the morning for years. Where does, where does God get more of your time? When, how can he get more? He wants us, the, the creator of the universe wants to spend time with you and I. Isn't that amazing? like he wants to know me he wants to know you but how much of my time do i give to god and then secondly for easy how much of how much of my money does god get right i mean you think well what's that it just shows you because our, our our time and our money are two precious commodities how much does god get and we all love to get raises right i love it when i get a, a gotten raises when's the last time you gave god a raise in terms of your giving right Say, Lord, I'm gonna. I, I, I got, God, I got the. I remember years ago when I got the tithing thing. I thought, okay, I've arrived. I, I'm a tither, and I know most Christians don't. I, I always pat myself on the back till I got a sore elbow, right? You know. And then uh, God began to approach me about what about people of the world? That, you know, are you giving to missions? What about the poor? There's a lot of verses about the poor, right? There's a lot of verses about about giving to Jewish people. Do you know that the Bible tells us we we have we have a debt of gratitude. That we, we have the Bible because Jewish blood was shed for us. And we, we need to, Romans chapter 1 gives the message to the Jew first. Well, how am I doing that in my life? So where does my money go? Where does my time go? That'll tell you where you're at. And then thirdly, some of you are, are in a very difficult time of life. It's a very, it's a very, it's a, it's a big test. It's a big trial of adversity. And God is calling you back, reminding you, Put your trust in him. Sometimes we get our eyes so focused on the problem, right? And we need to focus on the Lord. He's the one that can solve every problem. Amen? 
Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some prayer time. I'm going to ask everybody to, to close your eyes and, and, and bow and just ask the Lord what he's speaking to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to respond if any of those three areas, right, God is speaking to you today. I want to give you an opportunity. And sometimes we have to do something physical, right? I don't know what Jesus putting mud in somebody's eye had to do with healing. Could he just say, but he, he did something physical. So as you're praying today, if you're here today and God is speaking to you and you realize you need a personal relationship with him, you've never really repented of your sins and put your trust in him. Today, he is speaking to you with, with everybody's eyes closed and head back. Would you just raise your hand and say, I am praying that prayer today. Today, I am making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that he has, he has revealed himself to me and I want to put my trust in him. Anyone raise their hand that God is calling you to make a commitment today. Secondly, if you realize you've been kind of coasting and you really felt like the Lord's challenging you to be more diligent in your time in the word, that you really need to be serious about your, your growth in the things of God, and you really feel the Lord's challenging you today and you want to respond to that, would you raise your hand and just say, yes, Lord, I, I want to res respond to that. I want to be more diligent in the things of God. I want to be more diligent in the word of God. I've allowed the things of life to choke out the word. And then thirdly, you're going through a major challenge in life. People around you may know, they may not know, but there's a, it's a tremendous time of testing and you've been kind of wondering what's going on and didn't realize it was really God. It was really God's doing it to draw you to himself, to put your trust in him. Would you raise your hand today and say, I'm, I'm feeling the, the, the test, and I need to really affirm my faith in Jesus. I need to be reminded to turn back and put my hope and trust in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're here in our midst, and you are drawing people here today to yourself. Lord, thank you for ministering your word and for reminding us, several of us, Lord, that we need to put our emphasis on the word of God. We need to spend time in your word. We need to feed our spirit on the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that there are many of us today that recognize that this time is just not, I just thought it was just a problem in life or a difficult, but it's, it's you, God. You're <coughs> testing me and you're reminding me that through this challenging time that I need to put my trust in you Lord I need to look to you that you're that you're doing these things for my good that you're for me and that you're with me thank you Lord for the opportunity to affirm God today our faith and our trust in you thank you Lord for your living word that stirs our hearts Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that the greater ones inside of us, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Thank you, Lord, for ministering life and peace and joy in your Holy Spirit today. To you, God, be all the glory.